community is so, so important in, in the writers, in the writer's world, in the writer's life, right? We have to come together and help one another. And, and we do, we spend all this time, we lift other writers up, um, sometimes to our own detriment. I will spend so much time helping someone else that I don't get my own projects done. What Were You Thinking, the podcast that goes beyond the pages of the books we love. I'm your host, Dana Goldstein, and I invite you to join me as we ask authors to share the story behind their stories. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of What Were You Thinking? Today's guest on my show is Robin Van Eck. Not only is she an author, she is the executive director of the Alexandra Writers Center Society. It's a place for writers to meet and talk about writing and take courses and hone their craft and just be part of this wonderful writing community that we have here in Calgary. Some courses are offered online, which is lovely because it expands the reach to writers outside of the city of Calgary who can partake in online virtual classes and workshops. Robin and I talked about a whole lot of things, not just the Alexander Writers Center. We talked about persevering and keep trying to write until you get the story or the genre that feels right for you, the importance of having a community and being part of a writing community and why you should continue to take courses throughout your writing career. We also talk about getting through the drafts, finding the story, and how as writers we are always deeply connected to the stories that we write. Well, without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to Robin Van Eck, author of Rough. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. I'm- How are you? <laughs> okay. If if we keep talking over each other, <laughs> that's what the whole podcast gonna sound like. Gonna make it very very weird. Yeah. Yay! Welcome Yay. to the podcast. Well, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. You are the executive director of the Alexander Writers Center Society, but you have been involved with them for twenty years. Did you stop to think about that? I think about that a lot. (laughs) Tell us, tell us how you started uh, and why you started in 2003. Why? Okay. Well, if you want to get personal, I was, (laughs) I do. Um, Great. Um, I was actually, I was, you know, I've always loved to write. Um, I think since I was a kid, I knew I wanted to be a writer in some way, shape or form. But I, you know, I would try and then I would like give up. I'd write a couple of pages, be like, oh, this sucks. You know, how, how many times I tried to write a play or I tried to write a novel or I thought I could write a screenplay or anything, right? Like, it was just garbage. Uh, but I also didn't give it the chance. Um, and then in, yeah, I'd moved, I moved to Calgary in 2000 from BC. Um, and in 2003, I was in a really crappy relationship (laughs) and I was looking for something else to do. I mean, the smart thing would have been to get out of the relationship, but, um, but I was looking for something to do. And I had written this, I had actually written this short story um, 
it was a 10,000 word short story. I got so excited. I thought this is brilliant. This is gonna be the best thing I've ever written. Um, and how could anyone ever like not publish it, right? Like it was for a contest and so it was like 10,000 words, ended up being 10,000 words and I submitted it and then I like didn't hear anything, didn't hear anything, didn't hear anything. Of course, I knew nothing about the writing world, like really about the writing world at that time. And uh, so after a while, I was just like, hey, nobody's responding. I was a little bent out of shape, a little, you know, as we end up doing. <laughs> um, and I even contacted the contest and I was like, you know, what's going on? And then they're like, yeah, you didn't make it. And I was just like, oh. <laughs> fine so I don't know I just something something triggered in me that I was like you know what maybe I need to go learn how to write better and um I looked up I looked up classes for creative writing and everything I could find was at the university and I just I didn't want to go to the university and I really wanted something that was community-based and I ended up stumbling across AWCS at that time and I hummed and hawed I was so nervous and I hear that, that now even from people you know who are like oh I'm so nervous to take that first class I hummed and hawed and hummed and hawed I actually didn't even think they were legit because their website was so horrible <laughs> and I was like and I had driven through Englewood trying to find it and I had no idea what I was looking for or anything um Anyway, I did finally find it, and and uh, and then I was like, okay, you know what? No, I'm gonna I'm gonna call, and I ended up signing up for a creative writing level two because it was the only thing they had at the time, and um, and I'd taken creative writing classes before, like in high school and stuff. So I thought, you know, oh yeah, I could do a level two class, <laughs> and it was fantastic. Like I, I did that class; it was fantastic. I learned very quickly everything that I did wrong with that short story, <laughs> so and why I did not win this contest, and um, and I, you know, and I just never stopped. I loved it so much, and I just never stopped. When a lot of us say, oh, I always wanted to be a writer, but we never really communicate in our young minds. Like, what did that look like when you when you think, oh, I'm going to be a writer one day? What did that look like to like a young Robin? Oh, that's a really, really fascinating question. <laughs> wow. Um, you know, I remember my, you know, my dad had read the Hobbit to me. And I think that was like my first real connection to, to grown up stories, right? Like I'd always been like, I learned to read at a very, a fairly young age. And I was always fascinated with stories. And, and you probably hear too, a lot of, you know, kids, you know, who don't have the greatest home life or school life or whatever, they bury themselves in books, right? And that's, that's kind of, you know, basically what happened. But, um, I don't know. I just, I loved the magic of story. And I just, I, you know, at the time I didn't know what it meant to be a writer and you see all the movies and TV shows now of all these writers who are either like alcoholics or they're running around in there. I, I did always think it'd be cool to work in my pajamas. Right? So <laughs> like there was definitely that part. Um, you know, and it did seem very glamorous to be able to sit there and like write out a story and like have the world read it. 
I mean, of course, the reality of that is obviously something massively different, but but it's good to have those dreams, I guess. But I don't know. It was always just this creative thing. Like, I think at some point I thought that I was going to, like, I used to write these little plays and um, perform them with my dolls. And so I think deep down, I really thought I was going to be a playwright more than anything else. Um, and I, I have taken some playwriting classes, but now I realize that I really don't have the interest in that. Like, I don't know if that really answers your question. No, that was good. <laughs> um, so you started writing in earnest after you took the course. What were you writing at that time? Short stories, yes? I was writing short stories. I was actually working on a novel. Um, I had started writing. Um, <laughs> I thought I had tried writing all these different things. And this was like, you know, before the class. Um, and I thought oh, it'll be so much easier to write kids books. Like I was, I was really like jumping all over the place and going, I don't know what I wanted to write. And I think... I was one of those writers who just wanted to get it done and get it done quickly, right? So then I thought, oh, maybe I should write for children. Children's books are short. Those should be easy. <laughs> um, I started writing a children's book, which very quickly turned into a horror, which I was like, this is not suitable for children. <laughs> like It became very dark very quickly. Um, so I was like, okay, maybe children's books are not for me. Um, and so I, I, I turned that, I started to turn that into a novel that I did never finish. Just me popping in to give you a heads up that you're going to hear about this manuscript again later in a very unexpected way. But I think it was good practice, you know, like I wrote probably 40,000 words. Um, it was good practice uh, to realize what not to do. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I wanted to write horror. I wanted to write psychological thriller. I wanted to write mystery. Like those are the things I loved to read. Um, through my time at AWCS, I learned that there's so much more writing out there that can be done and in all these different ways to tell a story and and I never in a million years thought I would ever write creative nonfiction, you know, which I've done a little bit of. And, you know, always short pieces, but um, they've actually been fairly successful in terms of, you know, getting them published, you know, accepted and published. So, um, but yeah, um, and I started playing around with writing more literary type stuff. What was your first published piece? And how did it make you feel to see that? Uh, my first published, officially published piece was a short story in the, is the AWCS 30th anniversary anthology. Like the first, first piece of fiction, I think. Like I published a few little articles and stuff, um, but I never really, I don't know, those never excited me. Um my very first published piece, yeah, I think it was 2011. It was the 30th anniversary anthology for AWCS. How did it make me feel? 
you know what? I, I felt like an imposter. I felt like the only reason that they published it was because I was part of the organization. And I have felt that way with just about every one of my publications, except for the only one that I've ever truly been excited about <laughs> was um, I got a, a, a horror short story published in Lamplight Magazine in, I can't even remember what year, um, might have been 2018, 2017 or something. I was so excited about that because A, it was horror, right? It was the first horror piece that I'd ever gotten published. And this magazine was nearly impossible to get published in. And and I have I had a friend who had been trying to get published in that magazine for so long. And um and she she never hit the mark. And then I submitted something to them and they took it. And I was just, I was thrilled what I find fascinating is that you know you were a big Stephen King reader I'm sure as a young reader yeah fairly you were really engaged in the horror genre you tried to write it then you wrote short stories then you get published as a horror writer and along your journey you end up writing rough which is literary fiction (laughs) how does that happen (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I don't know. Um, You know, actually, I was writing, you know, Rough Rough was an interesting, was an interesting book. I had been playing around with a lot of different forms, I think, at the time. And I had actually been working on another novel um, that, again, um, I got about 40,000 words into. And realized it it wasn't working. Um, And so I put it aside and I was having this conversation with somebody one day. Um, Because, oh, well, I got so, I actually, I'm realizing now I have so many um, unfinished projects. So I had this, so I'd been working on this 40, like where I got to about 40,000 words because I got more excited about this, this new idea. And I had dropped the, to do that. I had dropped another project because I got stuck and everyone kept saying my secondary character was um, a more interesting character. You know, when I popped in and told you to pay attention to that 40,000 word manuscript that she abandoned, this is part two of that more later. And I was just like, no, like this can't happen. I hate this. Like, so I got, I got really fed up with the, with this first novel. And then I went and wrote this other one, got 40,000 words in and abandoned the, the, the previous one, um, which was probably more mystery. Like, so there was, I was working on a mystery novel and then I was working on this more literary fiction, giving up on everything. <laughs> um, and then I was having this conversation one day with a friend of mine and this was this was after the Calgary flood. I think it might have been in 20 might have been early 2014 or it might have been 2015. Um and we've been talking about like the flood and everything and and then we were we were talking about she was she's a psychologist, right? And sometimes her and I would get into these great conversations and and we started for some reason started talking about um, family. We were talking about my dad 
we were talking about um, like what would what would cause someone to choose to be homeless was was like that very first triggering question. Um, and then we got talking about my dad and, um, you know, my dad was never my dad never was officially homeless, but he came very, very close. He really teetered that line. And, uh, yeah, and we just got into this deep conversation about it. And all of a sudden I was just like, wow, okay. Like, this is an interesting topic. And, and, and then I started thinking about this character from this like novel, the secondary character from this novel, like a long time ago. And this was Shermetto. Just in case you missed it, Shermetto is the main character in Rough who was a secondary character in that 40,000 word manuscript that Robin abandoned. What's the lesson? Never get rid of the work you've done in the past. Just save it because one day it might come in handy. Right? Like that was in this novel. And I just, I was like, you know what? That's who this character has to be. Right? And so, yeah, so I pulled him over. And then of course the flood had happened and the other thing that we had been talking about was just like the displacement of people during the flood. And I remember watching something on TV and thinking like how fascinating it is. Like I've always been a huge proponent, you know, for homelessness and, and everything. And um, <clears throat> I just remember watching all these people come together to help all these people with these nice big houses, fancy houses, you know, who had lost everything because of this, you know, act of God. And I thought, wow, like, see what happens when community comes together. And it just, it made me start thinking, what if community came together for the homeless community in the way that we come together for people who already have houses and already have, um, you know, stability, I guess in some ways and 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 it kind of like it just it fired me up like I'm not judging I mean this is this is the way our society is and you know there's nothing we can do about that but but it did just raise a lot of questions that I thought you know why can't people pay a little bit more attention you know when you're walking downtown or something you know and you see a homeless person instead of avoiding them and that kind of thing so what was the process for you for Having this story of Shermetto and Kendra and the flood and uh, what ended up being rough in the end, like how did it evolve for you? Because you said Shermetto was a character, secondary character in another manuscript, and now he's yeah. one of the main characters, actually the main character in Rough. Yeah. So how how did that evolve? That's a fantastic question. <laughs> Through a lot of trial and error. <laughs> I, guess, I bet. Right? Like, um, so the flood was always a part of the story. Um, and, and the homelessness angle was always part of the story. Kendra didn't come in until after, I think. I mean, it was a lot of drafts, you know. And early on, like, it was really hard to separate I, th I think what happened is as I was writing, you know, the first few drafts, I think became very therapeutic <laughs> for me um, because I really, you know, I've had a lot of issues with, with, with my own, with my dad. And, um, 
you know, and having to jump in and help even when I didn't want to, because I felt like it was the right thing to do. Um, but I know, so it was, it was several drafts were very therapeutic and there's many drafts where this, where Shermetto ended up being really like my dad. Um, it took a lot of drafts to kind of pull that back enough <laughs> that, that, you know, that even I was like, okay, this is not my dad, even though there might be elements of him. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was, it was a journey of discovery really. And um, it feels so long ago now, you know, like even the writing, like the writing of it, the publishing of it, like it just, it feels so long ago now that it's, kind of a blur that's typical of the publishing journey right like <laughs> yeah from the time you actually start writing to the time you're holding a book in your hands it's like a lifetime almost sometimes yeah right yeah and um, we're different people from when we start yeah. finish and you know right and I read somewhere uh in one of your interviews that you said you know by the time the book comes out you're so sick of looking at that draft and I 100% get that yeah. It's like, you know, you get to the, like, when they, when the editor is like going through it and going, okay, change this, cut this, cut this. I'm like, okay. Like, I don't care anymore. Just yeah. like cut what you want. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, it's not a lot of authors talk about that part of the journey that like the endless drafting by the time it's in book form, you're like, I don't want to read a single page of this book now. I'm so done with it, but you have to pull up your bootstraps and market the crap out of it. Yeah. <laughs> and of no. course then I got it published during COVID which made things yeah because like, it, it came out so in November harder, no right? December 2020 right November 2020. November 2020 yeah all right for people who don't know because we kind of just sort of skipped over the whole hey introduce your book part tell us what rough is about I hate this question <laughs> um so rough is about um a homeless man downtown during the floods of 2013. Um, it's a family story. It's, what is it about? <laughs> you read it? What's I it did about? Read it. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> so I know. I don't know. Describe, I don't know why. Right? Like, like, yeah, like, why do we always have this problem? Even like with our works in progress, like people are saying, they always ask us, hey, what's your book about? And we can't ever eloquently describe it. Yet no. we write we write these miraculous things of like <laughs> 300 pages plus and it's not a problem. But when somebody asks yeah. us, we're like, um, uh, I don't know. It's about this person who does this thing right? and yeah. stuff happens. <laughs> it's me again. I'm just going to read the back cover copy. It is 2013 and Calgary's Bow River is beginning to rise. Taking cover downtown that night, Shermetto intervenes in the attack on a bar patron and finds himself laid up in the hospital. Outside, as the city reels from an unthinkable disaster, Shermetto finds himself away from the swelling river and face to face with a part of the past he is trying to hide from his daughter, Kendra. Yeah, one of, one of the things I really enjoyed about Ruff was uh, that the, the river becomes like a character not a major character but it's so personified was that like that from the very first draft 
no. <laughs> okay. So how did that no. happen? Um, well, you know what? It started with, I will thank W.O. Mitchell for this in some ways. Um, I remember sitting in a class and the book wasn't done at this point, obviously. We were sitting in a class and the instructor started reading the beginning to Who Has Seen the Wind. And I just remember like just this visual, like, and I've never actually read it. Confession time here too. I have also not read the Canadian classic, Who Has Seen the Wind? But in November 2022, Freehand Books released a 75th anniversary special edition. It's illustrated. And I might be able to remedy that very soon. It's just like what I was envisioning as this was being read to me um, was this this image of the wind and how it like moves and comes, you know, and flows and comes into a town, right? And I thought, wow, like this is really fascinating. And then in one of the exercises, like we had to take take that. I can't remember what the exact exercise was, but I started writing this scene of like the river starting like way up high in the mountains and like what, what its journey was. Right. And, uh, and then it just like, it just kind of evolved from there. And I thought, wow, this is really neat. And, um, and I love what personification can do, right? Like personification is very, um, metaphorical it's also a way for us to say things that we can't normally say directly i guess in some ways and um and yeah it's funny too i even like recently got into this conversation with my daughter who is you know she's 15 she has not read my book but i keep bugging her about it because she's never read it <laughs> and she picked it up one day and she was like and she was like reading a bit of it and then or she looked at it and she was like oh you got two two points of view and I said no actually there's three and she then all of a sudden she's like the river is a character <laughs> and she was absolutely horrified about the fact that I had personified something and I was it and and she just thought it was weird she thinks it's silly and it's weird and you know but I I love it as 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 a practice you know I mean there's there's simple ways of using personification or there's like very in your face ways of using personification. And I don't know, I thought it worked because I even like, if you think about what happened in 2013 and just what, ha like what happened with the river and it yeah. was just, you know, yeah. and, and it was like, and if you think about it in an emotional context, it's like, you know, why can't we say that a river is really angry and that's why it floods? Yeah. Right? And, like, and, for, and for people who weren't in Calgary in 2013 and maybe just watched the footage from afar, it, you cannot comprehend the range of emotions that every single Calgarian went through. And it's one of yeah. those things where, you know, you'll always remember where you were when you had the realization that this was a very big and dangerous deal. Where were you when, that, when you had that light bulb moment? I mean, I was one of those kind of watching it from afar. 
um, even though the Alexander Writer Center used to be in Inglewood and we got evacuated pretty early because we were like right next to the river. I think the moment that it really hit me was like, I live, I live in the Southeast of Calgary. I live right on the edge of Fish Creek Park. The river was not very far away. And, and I'd seen what was happening downtown, you know, just from like the coverage and everything. And I was just like, wow, like this is insane. And then I walked down to one of the entrances to Fish Creek Park and like the water was up to this entrance, like, which was unheard of. And I just kind of went, holy crap, you know, and we even got evacuated, even though the water never came like as far as where we were, but we got evacuated because they shut the power off in the area. Um, But it was just like, it was just like, wow, like, look at what this river has done. Um, You know, it took out bridges, like, like, (laughs) you know, there was one of the bridges like from, you know, um, from Fish Creek Park over to like the Douglas Glen side, Douglas Dale side. Uh, it was complete, like the whole like structure, like there, the bridge was still there, but like you, you couldn't access it because things had just been like destroyed. Yeah. 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 And I think you personifying that river was absolutely on the mark because so many of us had that feeling of, or had that experience of seeing the raging waters up close for the first time. Like you see it and you don't really comprehend. You're like, well, what, you know, if somebody falls in the water, you think, well, why didn't you just hang on to a tree or something? But that water was terrifying yeah. to, to everybody. And it was a, a very good reminder for me anyways, that, nature is really always in control we are not in control we try to control nature yeah but it doesn't always work in our favor yeah yeah and I've been thinking about this a lot lately and I think it came up with like my daughter talking about personification in this way and you know and I had I you know of course it's like three years after the book has been published and I'm really now starting to go like what was I really trying to say by doing this right and and I think I think it's like it's a it's a great metaphor maybe for me like how a lot of people you know when something's really bothering us we keep it buried right we keep it hidden and we look like we're all fine on the outside and then you know but we no one knows what's going on inside right And, and um and that's kind of how I saw the river, right? To this point of like the river, like, I mean, if you read the book, I mean, the river starts out being like, oh yeah, I'm happy, blah, blah, blah. Then it sees how like people are being treated and it, people littering and all of this other stuff, right? So then it starts to get agitated, right? Because there's people doing like really terrible things. And maybe in some ways it's even a climate story and, you know, climate or environmental story in that way because of what we're doing to doing to the earth and and whatnot but would it be fair to say that the flood of 2013 changed you somehow and second part of that question is did it change you as a writer at all did the flood change I, I mean I think the flood opened my eyes to a lot of things um a lot of a lot more societal issues that maybe I had pushed aside 
you know, I mean, you know, with the homelessness and just about community, right? I mean, I work for an organization where community is so, so important in, in the writers, in the writer's world, in the writer's life, right? We have to come together and help one another. And, and we do, we spend all this time, we lift other writers up, um, sometimes to our own detriment, you know, um, you know, and I'm not saying in a bad way, but it's like, yeah. I will spend so much time helping someone else that I don't get my own projects done. Right. Because I want everyone to succeed. I want people to, you know, to see what that feels like, you know, and success is different for everyone. As it changed me as a writer, maybe to some degree, because I realize now that writing is more than just telling a story. Like, you know, there's always some inherent message. I think in anybody's stories, there's some inherent message. And sometimes it's more obvious than others. And I think writers write because they have something to say that they can't necessarily say verbally um you know we say we're good communicators but sometimes we're, <laughs> you know, it's like you asked me what my book is about and I freeze up if you wanted me to write that out I could probably take some time and write for you what my book is about <laughs> I express myself better way better in writing than I do verbally I don't know like right writers I I really feel that writers are writers are the future you know I, I think that writers have this ability to open people's minds and change people's minds. And, um, and it doesn't matter if you're writing horror or if you're writing science fiction or fantasy, right? Like all those messages are always there. And, and it just takes like one or two people to kind of read your story and go, wow. Okay. You know, or to see the world a little bit differently. But I think for me, writing is, is about conveying something that's important to me and maybe important to the world. I don't know. Or something that I want people to pay attention to. One day I may write a political story. Who knows? <laughs> As someone who's written short stories and a novel, what's the biggest difference for you? <laughs> attention span. <laughs> uh, um, short stories are short. You know. You know what. Short stories are great to remind yourself that you could finish something because <laughs> novels are so, novels are so big, right? And um, I love short stories for the immediacy, for the limited characters, for like the shorter storyline. And then novels, I'm just like, oh my God. <laughs> I think it's just, yeah, novels are just, monsters right i don't a lot of people don't realize just how much work goes into writing a novel yeah and short stories that end up being published in literary journals typically are only read by a small demographic mostly oh, writers uh, yeah. actually right yeah yeah it's true it's true yeah. whereas a novel is it's out there for everybody to see Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's what we hope. We had a conversation, like it was last week, I guess, about the question most people ask you when they're asking you questions about rough. So tell me what that question is. And then I answer. Forget what, I, I forget what I said yeah. now. What okay. is, what was... So you had said that um, <laughs> the question everybody asks about rough 
is how close to your actual oh, life yeah. is it? And like, have you ever experienced homelessness? Yeah. Yeah. Because um, you do have some very deep insight into what that is like. Yeah. Um, I have not experienced homelessness, not myself, <laughs> but um, I have, I mean, as, as I said earlier, I mean, the story wasn't like, there are definitely some, some similarities to, um, to my life, some parallels to my growing up and, you know, and, and, and watching family, specifically my dad, um, who, who struggled with alcohol and, um, anger issues and, and, and things like that, you know, that, that did create problems with keeping jobs and, you know, and, etc etc um so there are definitely some similarities my dad has teetered on that edge of homelessness um so i think like a lot of that i was pulling from um so yes there are some <laughs> there are definitely some similarities to my to my life now the value the value of a writing class what do you feel like as robin the author not robin the executive director of awcs because this, you know, it's hard to remove your bias because, of course, writing classes are great. But like <laughs> as, a, as an emerging writer or even as a seasoned writer, what is the value of writing class? I'm a little biased as well as having someone who has taught a class at AWCS and also haven't taken classes. So I know yeah. the answer. But like, you know, <laughs> this is one of those things like a lot of writers think. Maybe they'll do it. Maybe they won't. Seasoned writers, some of them think, oh, I won't get anything out of it. Tell, okay, here. I feel like I should hold up a sign that says, I'm a seasoned writer. I won't get anything out of a writing class. Change my mind. <laughs> I think as creatives, and this is not even just about writers. This is creatives in general. Um, we never stop learning. And, and I think you can always learn from other people. And I think the group dynamics of a class just helps that creative process, right? And it helps you as a person internally, like with, with your own art and what, and whatever that is um, for. And so I, so I think as a seasoned writer, we should never stop learning. And even now, like if I find a class that, uh, you know, or if I'm stuck, if I'm stuck in, in, you know, on a project and I just like for the life of me cannot figure out how to get out of out of this funk that I'm in, um, I'll take a class and whether it might be a class on general creativity or it's you know a class on a very specific topic, because I think that might be the problem. Like sometimes just that reminder is great. Um, and then, you, you know, I just the bouncing around of ideas, or I'll take like a drop-in program where I'm forced to do some free writing or, you know, or something where I end up conversing with others. Like that creative spirit can really be diminished when we're dealing with a lot of crap in our lives. Right. Um, and so to find a way to get that back, even if it's very simply, you know, taking a two hour program on a Sunday, you know, or, or whatever, right. Or, you know, doing our free fall writing or, you know, anything like that. Like it's, it's just, it's, you know, there, there's, there's a benefit to it. Right. As an emerging writer, I think you don't know what you don't know <laughs> until you know it. Right. Like, um, and, and a prime example is just, you know, me setting out to write a short story that I thought was absolutely brilliant. 
right? Until, you know, and then nobody accepting it and trying to figure out why, why is it, why am I not winning contests? Why, why am I not getting an agent? Why am I not getting published? Like why, you know, um, then you go and take a class and you start learning and it's just like, oh, wait a second. Like someone once said to me, and this had never crossed my mind, but someone once said to me, writers are the only artists who think that they can publish their first work, completed work right? Like you would never paint a picture and think that you're going to go and have like a gallery opening now, right? You would not, you know, play a few bars on the, on the piano or, or learn a few chords and think you're going to be in a rock band, right? Like, like you don't, like, because you don't, you don't know what you're doing, right? Right. And, and so it's about, um, you know, learning your craft and, and, you know, pianists, you know practice every day until they get better and better and better and um I I remember early on in in my in my own journey someone saying to me it takes on average 10 years from the time that you start writing or seriously writing it takes on average about 10 years to reach your first publication right and that's just because you're learning craft, you're learning how to tell a good story. Like, and just because you think you can sit there and, and, you know, tell a story, which once you put it on paper, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's as coherent as you, as you think it can be, <laughs> or, or, or as coherent, coherent as it can be. Um, yeah. So I, I, I just, I really think like, we just, we need classes to help you learn. Also writing is hard and to do it on your own is nearly impossible and if you do not have a community of people who understand what you're going through um and can help push you like you you likely will not get there you might i mean if you're really determined you might but um it's a lot easier when you have a support system yeah i like to take classes that are outside my typical genre So Mm. I took my first class at AWCS when I was completely stumped on the project that I was working on and thought maybe that's not the genre for me to write in. And I took a class in a genre I've never written in and read a little bit of, but wasn't really passionate about. And it lit a fire under my ass, like to get back to the project that I knew what I was doing with. Yeah. Right? So it's, there's so much value on so many levels in taking a class. And I don't know, like, I don't remember feeling nervous. I think I was just really excited for my first class to be around other writers for a change. And I think the nerves kicked in after the first hour of the class when I saw the caliber of the other writers around me and very quickly realized that I was maybe out of my element, but I kept going anyways for the full eight weeks. Right. Why? No, why and, that, is- and that that's a fantastic thing too, right? Like to, to even if you, I think we always feel inferior to other writers. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't matter who they are. Um, but to, to push yourself anyway, when you feel that way, because that's the only way you're going to get better, right? If you run away every time you get scared, like you're not going to get anywhere and you're going to feel so much better when you do accomplish it, right? 
why why are people nervous at that for like to take their first class no it's you're vulnerable like you're so vulnerable writing is such a vulnerable artistic form i think you know i and and i and because because every time we put something down on a page whether it's fiction or not people you know and especially like if we write horror it's like someone will say to you oh my god how could you write something like that you know like like it it's a you know because they they think it's coming from you know it is it's coming from a place within within us absolutely but it doesn't mean that's who we are right and um but i think writers are very quickly judged right based on what we put on the page and and i and i i do think that that's a huge huge part of it when do you do your writing what part of the day i'm a morning writer yeah yay <laughs> I was up this morning at 6 30. I was plucking away at my manuscript, my current manuscript. Because you're working, you're in the are you in the final stages of the draft of this manuscript? I am in the final stages of the final, final draft. <laughs> like oh. so yeah. So, okay, so this yeah. one's getting close. Yeah, it's very close. Mm-hmm. And I do have a deadline that I'm not gonna hit. <laughs> um well I might you know what I might um but it's still up in the air I uh so I have an agent she has said like I need to my manuscript needs to or she she had first said I needed to have this manuscript to her by this fall and I was like okay well that's kind of broad like that leaves me till December 21st (laughs) so (laughs) yeah um I did have a chat with her recently and said, like, I'm not sure if I'm going to make it. Like, I think it'll be done. Like, actually, I think, in fact, I was just saying to a friend of mine this morning, like, um, I think if I if I put my head down and just like did nothing else today alone, I think I could finish it. Um, That said, everything gets in the way. So so I, I am very, very close, but I still need to go through it again. There's still a lot of holes. So um that I'm not I still don't know if I can finish and fix by the 21st but this is normal can you tell us what it's about or are you keeping it close can I tell you what it's about yeah. <laughs> uh well this one is a little bit more in the horror genre so Yay. um it's well not hardcore horror though it's a little bit supernatural it's it's about a woman who has chosen to die by medical assistance and dying so another issue that is really close to my heart um and it and it's about like those final stages of death right like when we know our days are numbered and 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 the and the things that that matter in those in those those last moments right and it's about not holding on to the past but it's also having to come to terms with the past and we're a lot about a lot about memory natural stuff come in Sorry, where does like that supernatural element come in? Well, <laughs> um, that's so she. So my main character thinks that death is following her, literally. Um, but it's well, I can't say too much. I don't right, of course. Away, but yeah. but she thinks death is following her. Um, she ends up she 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 ends up kind of in back in her past, 
so it's a little bit time travel-y, but it's a little bit more supernaturally than the time travel-y part. So, um, yeah. It and sounds there's like intriguing. There's okay, ghostly well. stuff. And <laughs> so. yeah, we always, we always find a way to come back to the things that made us want to be writers in the first place. I think that's been my, my, my big thing. You know, I finished yeah. a draft of this. I finished a draft, like the second draft of this manuscript really like two years ago. And, and I just, I wasn't happy with it. I was like, this bores me. I just, like, <laughs> you know, and um, it's like, it's not exciting. It's like, whatever. And, um, and then I, I, here's another thing. Like, so I knew there was something wrong with the manuscript. I went and took class and it was through that class that I ended up going, oh, that's what's, that's what's missing. Right. And it was that kind of supernatural, magical realism, like the stuff that I love. And, and in some ways, like that was there with rough too, like with using the river the way that I did. Right. Like, so, so in some ways there's a little bit of a magical component to it. So. Well, I'm super excited for you and Ruff and the next novel that comes out and Ruff, I'm very excited that now the audiobook is available for that market as well. And uh, I look forward to seeing what else Robin has to send our way. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me this morning. I enjoyed every minute. Uh, it's always fun. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode of What Were You Thinking? You can learn more about Robin by visiting her website, robinzvaneck.com. I'll post a link in the show notes, and I'll also post a link in the show notes to the Alexandra Writers Center Society, so you can check out the amazing lineup of courses they have coming up in the future. Once again, thanks for giving me your ears. They must hang in because the the writing uh, apprentice period for a writer is at least ten years. It's more than a doctor or an engineer. And my my advice: don't quit. <laughs>